Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Testimony in the felony invasion of privacy trial for Governor Eric Greitens is scheduled to begin next week, but jury selection has just gotten underway. The process is called voir dire. Attorneys are given the chance to question prospective jurors. Joining me in studio to discuss the process is Susan McGraw, professor of law and supervisor of the Criminal Defense Clinic at St. Louis University. Susan, thanks for being with us. I'm glad to be here. Let's talk about voir dire. Um, Is it a process uh, that is unique to this country or our court system? It really is. Um, You know, we we don't realize, I think, that we're one of the very few countries that actually have a jury system. Uh, Most European countries have a civil system where judges hear the facts of a case. But here we have juries. Right. And what is the process like for selecting those jurors? Well, the process involves a lot of questioning. I think the first thing people need to know about it is that you pick who you don't want. Mm -hmm. So it's not a process of picking the jurors you want. It's a process of eliminating the people who you don't want or who can't follow the law. So the state will start by asking some questions about the jurors. Then the defense will get to ask. And when that's all done, everybody picks who they don't want, and those people who are left are the jury. But what you do want is someone you hope is going to be sympathetic to your side of the case. Right. You do. You're looking for someone who you think will buy into your theory of the case, whether you're the state or the defense. That is uh, that is determined by asking questions. How, how broad a range of questions can be asked? Well, anything that's relevant to the case can be asked. There are two types of strikes, two ways to get rid of jury jurors. One is a peremptory strike, and that's who you don't want on just because you don't want them. But there's another kind of strike called for cause. And jurors struck for cause are jurors who can't be on the jury because they, for one reason or another, can't follow the law. Or have evidence somehow some some prejudice in the case? Right, right. Yeah. So if we look at what's going on with Governor Greitens' trial, most of the people who get called to be jurors are going to have heard something about the case. If we had to strike every juror who knew anything about the case, we'd never be able to pick a jury. But we are going to pick, uh, strike people who have already formed an opinion about the guilt or innocence of Governor Greitens and who can't put those feelings aside. Is that the first question that is asked then? Uh, do you have an opinion in this case? Well, it's going to be one of the first. The yeah. very first question they asked this morning was about hardships. Is there anybody who can't be in court all next week to hear the evidence? Mm-hmm. When they finish with that, they're asking questions about publicity. What have you heard about the case? Do you have an opinion about the case? Can you set that opinion aside? How many strikes does the uh, attorney for either side get? I'm under the impression it's a limited number. Right. They each get six preemptory strikes. Well, then if they get people they don't want or want uh, or don't want in particular in this case, they have to stick with them if they're selected. Right, right. So what happens is that there are a lot of people – are a limited number of people who talk and a lot of people who don't talk that much. And the people who talk tend to be the people who get struck with these preemptory strikes. And so you're left with uh, 12 people who didn't say much during voir dire. The, 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 the people who talk. Just to elaborate <laughs> on that for a moment. Okay. So there are people who are very enthusiastic participants in voir dire, who have answers to everything, who 
want to talk with the lawyers. But then you'll have people who aren't used to speaking in public. Keep in mind, you're in a courtroom and there's 40, 50 other people there, and it can be intimidating. So there are people who say very little. In the end, we know a lot about some people, but almost nothing about others. And it's those people who gave us a lot of information that we form opinions about. They're the ones who end up getting struck. My uh, numbers may be off, but I think I saw this morning that the pool for this particular trial is 160 prospective jurors. That seems like an awful lot of people. That's the most I've seen. Really? Um, Yeah, so they'll do four sections of 40 people. 40 this morning, 40 this afternoon, 40 tomorrow morning, 40 tomorrow afternoon. And then with those that are still left, they will have a regular voir dire questioning on Monday. All right. You were there this morning for at least a part of this process. Yes. Tell us what you saw. Kind of set the scene for us, if Mm -hmm. you would. Well, there were uh, about a row and a half of reporters and observers. (laughs) Sure. Lots and lots of lawyers in the front. And they brought the jurors in, about six at a time, for 40 jurors. Then the judge asked them a question about hardships. Is there anybody here who cannot be on the jury because it's a hardship? And he reminded the jurors, I don't mean hardships, I'd rather be at work or I have things to do. It needs to be a hardship like I don't have anybody else who can care for my elderly parent or for my children or I have non-refundable airplane tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, He had six people reply to that. And then something unusual that they did was have each juror fill out a two-page questionnaire about publicity. Um, That's unusual. We normally don't have jury questionnaires in the city, but I suppose Judge Burleson thinks this is a a better way to get more information more quickly. Who was asked for the defense? Who was asking the questions of the jurors for the defense? There are a whole ton of lawyers involved in this thing, uh, (laughs) primarily from the side of the defense. Who's asking the questions? It's going to be Scott Rosenblum for the defense. Well, I'd heard that. (laughs) Why Scott Rosenblum, I wonder? I mean, most people know that he's one of the the premier criminal uh, defense attorneys in town and uh, gets a lot of publicity for anything he does. Why would he have been selected as, as opposed to some of the, you know, the other big-time lawyers in St. Louis around this case? Well, I think Scott probably has the most jury trials. I'm certain he has the most criminal jury trials out of anybody. And, for example, Jim Martin, who's a very accomplished lawyer, was a U.S. attorney. So mm-hmm. he would have experience in a federal courtroom. But in terms of a person who has spent a lot of time questioning St. Louis citizens on jury panels, that would be Scott Rosenblum. You think there is an instinct then that uh, lawyers can have after having done this for a while? I do, and I think Scott has that. What, and, and did he ask any questions aside from the ones that you've already stipula- stipulated here? Right. Well, the only thing that I saw that was finished this morning was uh, the judge asking if the lawyers had questions about these hardship strikes, and those really uh, weren't didn't require any questioning. How long typically would a, a prospective juror, an individual prospective juror, be questioned? Well, it depends what their answers are. Uh-huh. Um, you know, most jurors, a few minutes. Uh, you know, ten minutes would be a long time to question an individual juror. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. You know, when it comes to publicity and whether or not people have formed opinions, that can be uh, a really full area for discussion. 
just between us chickens. Is it hard for, for someone not to have drawn some sort of opinion when, when a lot of publicity has been given a case? You know, the one thing that always surprises me when I pick juries is that they're not as well-informed about current events um, as you might think they would be. You know, I'm a news junkie. I read the news every day. I follow everything that's happening. But fewer people than you might think are really up on current events. Suppose a prospective juror said, uh, I I was the victim of a sexual assault in a case like this. Mm -hmm. Would they automatically be given the heave-ho? No, no one automatically is struck. Um, What would happen is the um, lawyers would have an opportunity to ask them, is this something that has left an impact on you? Is this uh, this impact, this feeling that you have about being a victim, could you leave it at the door or do you think you'd bring it into the jury room? Um, would it cause you to draw an opinion about Governor Greitens' guilt or innocence? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take a break now. More questions ahead. We're talking with Susan McGraw, a professor of law at St. Louis University. Back with uh, more questions in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back as we continue our conversation on how juries are selected. Susan, is it your opinion that uh, after all of this, there could still be a bench trial? This was something that the defense wanted. Judge Burleson said no. Uh, and they're going through the process of selecting jury, jurors right now. But could it still be a bench trial, just the judge? You know, it could be. Judge Burleson has really prioritized making this a public trial Um, and having transparency, and I think he feels that a jury trial is the best way to do that. But if they're unable, after talking to 160 people, to find 12 fair and impartial jurors, Judge Burleson could very well take the trial over and make it a bench trial. Obviously, you were there for a short period of time, but you've been following the case. What are the chances of that, would you guess? You know, I'm unsure. I know that something similar happened in the Jason Stockley case. Um, I think that it's something that Judge Burleson would like to avoid, but so I'd say 50-50 at best. And speaking of the Stockley case, the the uh, attorney for the circuit attorney's office, uh, Mr. Steele, was the attorney for the uh, circuit attorney's office in that case, I believe. Yes, that's right. So he's been through this uh, kind of process before, waiting it out. Yes, he is. What are the responsibilities of the prospective jurors? We talked about what the lawyers can and can't do. What about the uh, the prospective jurors? Well, the judge gave them an admonition, and he said, you're not to investigate this case. You, you know, they can't go on social media and start looking up facts. They can't talk to their neighbors. They can't talk to their families and say, what do you think I ought to do? What do you think's going on here? They have to limit themselves to the evidence that's in the courtroom during the case. Mm-hmm. That, I've never served on a jury. I've been called several times but never have served. That, that would seem to me, once again, to be a very difficult thing to do. It would be. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be a stretch for anybody who's been hearing all the information that's come out about the case. What happens to someone who is selected to be on the jury and is, is found to have discussed it? 
Well, a couple of things could happen depending on when it happens. There could be a mistrial. If it happened in the middle of trial and the person either gets outside information or makes a decision, they could be struck and stricken from the jury. Now, there's going to be three alternates. <clears throat> so if that happens, you would put an alternate juror in their place. But if it's something that taints the whole jury pool, then there'd have to be a mistrial. And the alternates are right there uh, outside the jury box, I suspect, when this is happening. Right. They'll be in three chairs right next to the jury. They will be with the other jurors. They will hear everything the other jurors hear so they can slip right into place if there's a problem. The uh, jurors in this case are not going to be sequestered. Um, Tell me something about the decisions that are made to determine whether that will or will not happen. Well, it's a question about whether or not you can protect the jury and they will protect themselves from getting evidence from outside of the courtroom. Um, It's common in death penalty cases where there might be information about maybe a defendant's prior criminal history or something else that's not going to be introduced at trial. Um, You know, this has been an open book. Everything's Mm -hmm. been in the media about this case. So the judge, I think, feels that sequestration wouldn't do anything to protect the jurors anymore. But they're certainly going to be exposed to newspapers and radio and television. Right. And they're, but they're going to be obligated not to turn on the news and not to go on social media and not to read the newspaper. That's what their job is going to be. That's, that's uh, once again, it's going to be a real burden. I mean, this jury thing is, is, uh, is complicated and, and obviously very serious. Yeah, it is. But, you know, we think jury trials are the greatest protection that the United States uh, has against tyranny. That's why we instituted them, so that you can have your neighbor and other people in your community make a decision about your criminal case instead of someone who might have bias or might have power. Are are all trials jury trials? No, no. There's quite a few jury waivers. There are cases and topics that are so inflammatory that you really don't want someone um, who's not a professional hearing the in, the evidence because the minute they heard what the case was about, they might say, I'm not really, I don't really care what the evidence is that comes in. This is so bad, I'm going to convict. Mm-hmm. We, uh, a lot of people in the city of St. Louis complain because they're called to, to, for jury duty mm-hmm. about every two years. Why is that? Well, because we have a limited jury pool. Um, there are people in St. Louis County who complain about never getting picked. My sister-in-law is one of them. She's lived there her whole life, never made a jury. Um, But the city also tries more jury cases by far than any other circuit in the state of Missouri. When I lived in St. Louis County, I was called once for jury duty. Uh, At that time, I was producing training videos for law enforcement. One of the lawyers in the case went to my church, and I was a regular golf partner of his. I explained this during the, the selection process, and they said, no problem. You're not going to be dismissed. I mean, I was astounded. Right. I've been on two juries, and I'm a criminal defense lawyer. My husband is a judge, um, and I've tried cases against some of the people in the courtroom. But if they're assured that you can set aside those feelings and make your determination only from the evidence at trial, you're qualified to sit as a juror. It's also my impression that... Um, Expert witnesses also go through this process of being questioned during this uh, this part of the of the trial. Is that right? Well, they they 
don't get questioned during this part. Um, they'll have their deposition taken prior to trial. I mean, the perfect trial is one where there's no surprises, mm-hmm. where everybody knows ahead of time what everybody else is going to say. I have a caller here who wants to get into this conversation. Let's bring him in before we wrap it up. Ron is joining us from Ferguson. Ron, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, yes, my question is all the time that we hear about jury selection, I always tell us, you know, it's fair and impartial. But anytime there's race involved, the first thing the, 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 the opposite sides do is to try to strike people of the same race as the defendant or vice versa off the jury panel, which to me would indicate that it's not fair. Uh, I'm one of those persons that believe the only way to have a true um, impartial jury is to have them take lie detector tests. And I know people say, well, it's against the law. Well, they should change the law because uh, if you look at any type of these cases where there's race involved, especially in the South, the first thing the prosecutor does is try to strike all the black folks off the jury panel. And then they say, well, this is a free uh, process and it's open and it's been this way for hundreds of years, even though everybody knows that it's not true. Well, that, uh, I mean, I agree with the caller. That historically has been a very big problem. I mean, there have been cases where they've found that prosecutors' offices have systematically, over a period of years, excluded people of color from serving on the jury. Mm -hmm. So that is a problem. There's actually a procedure for lawyers to use in court when they think someone's been struck just because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. Although it's improved, it does remain a problem. We have to wrap this up, but is there anything else that occurs to you that we should note with regard to this process? Uh, No, just to remember that it's not who you pick, it's who you strike. Not who you pick, who you strike. Susan McGraw, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Very, very interesting indeed, and uh, we've got a couple of days of this happening downtown before that trial begins next Tuesday. Susan is a professor of law and supervisor of the Criminal Defense Clinic at St. Louis University. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.